This is Dave Chaos, and I'm here with Greg A. Smith. The name of this podcast is the Larry Tutson Jr. Foundation Story. It's beginning, the years of giving, and why. The Larry Tutson Jr. Foundation is named after your son, whom you lost in 2002. I'd like to offer you both condolences on behalf of myself and Ken Owen. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. When was Larry born? December 23rd, 1972. Who was he as a young man? Mm -hmm. Oh, Larry as a young man was a very giving, um, supportive to his family. It was a life of the room. He could walk in a room and if you had a down day or feeling a little discouraged about anything, he would always lighten up that room with his personality. Very outgoing personality, very energetic, very talented, very, very talented as a young man, played football, ran track. Um, I could just go on and on and on about him. Did he have any children? Yes, he had two children, Larry Joe Tutson III and Laricia Janae Tutson. They were, Trey was 10 when Larry passed away and Janae was three. We had just celebrated uh, his 10th birthday on the day before before man's passing, Larry's passing. We we, we refer him to as man because that was his nickname uh, as man. So you might hear us say man because it's such a natural thing for us to call him man. We're talking about Larry, but his nickname with us was man. And he earned that name by being a young man representing uh, as a kid, very maturely as a kid, as a as a leader, as a uh, someone that uh, other children would look up to. Right. And he, he adopted that name by not only us, but the rest of the family as man. As a reflection of the maturity he had at exactly. an early Absolutely. age. Exactly. Did Larry ever go to the KNON studios? Yes, he did on numerous occasions. Occasions, rather, He and my other son, Greg Andre, when they were teenagers, mere teenagers, uh, when we were located on San Jacinto, uh, he and my other son would come down and, and help me with my players' drive um, back in my beginnings here at KNON. They also had to stand in for me after they, I taught them how to run the board. They actually had to stand in and hold my show down for me. For so almost, Larry, Larry acted as a KNON DJ. Yes, for almost a month. He and my other son did. And they were like, I think Larry was about 16 when he did this, and my other son was uh, younger than that. And... Um, they were actually taught them how to run the board, and I gave them a playlist. And they had been around, by them being around me all their lives, musically, they pretty much had a good handle on, you know, the uh, Southern, on, on blues and soul and uh, music back then that we were playing because they grew up listening to it here in, in the house and also uh, listening to, you know, my music as an artist. And so they were very uh, adverse that at songs and picking songs and blues songs that were way beyond their time. And uh, they actually uh, understood uh, basically uh, what I would, would need it, need it from them for that two weeks, to, almost three, matter of fact, it was three it was weeks, almost a month, month, yeah, almost a month that they held my show down. Mm-hmm. And they did an outstanding job with all the feedback I got. They did a tremendous job. Did he enjoy being a DJ? Yes, he did, very much so. He was very musically inclined. I taught him and my other son how to play uh, keyboards 
and drums. And Larry was a tremendous musician, writer. Uh, he actually recorded some records. I produced his first record for him. And uh, this was a few years prior to him passing. We released his first single. But he was trying to walk in my footsteps as a musician. Certainly sounds like it. Yes. How old was Larry when he passed? He was 29 years old. And if you don't mind my asking, I would like to ask what happened to him. Well, he was helping a friend. Larry was the kind of person that he had friends in almost every walk of life, and everybody looked up to him like a going angel. <laughs> um, the day that he passed away, he was helping a friend. One of his uh, friends was in distress, female. And she was going through some things with, um, I guess, apparently the young man that she was dating. And Larry was trying to help her. And they actually, he actually checked her into a hotel room to try to give her some peace of mind, to try to get her mind together, as, you know, to help her through what she was going through. And immediately after they were checked in, there was a robbery. Someone kicked in the door and, you know, shot him at, um, at gunpoint. If someone has information about the case, which is remains unsolved, correct? That's Absolutely. correct. If someone has information about the case, how could they get it to the police? Basically, they would uh, call the Dallas Police Department. Uh, Detective uh, Ned was the detective assigned to the, to the case back then in 2002. I'm sure, you know, that if someone knew or found out anything that they wanted to report to help us with closure to find out who killed Larry. I'm sure if they called the Dallas Police Department, they've still got a record of the case, even though it's a cold case. But I'm sure that they could easily access uh, the, the records and be able to uh, 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 assist uh, anyone that might come forth. And the Dallas Police Department never closes a homicide case. Well, that's good to know that. And if anybody did have information, they could contact the police, Dallas Police Department, DPD, in regards to a cold case. Right. And also, uh, Dave, I also think they can reach out to uh, Dallas Crime Stoppers. I was kind of looking back on some of the uh, publicity that we had got back then from Channel 11 and Channel 4, and Crime Stoppers was one of the things that came up also that they could reach out to Crime Stoppers as well. If they chose to remain Absolutely. anonymous. Absolutely. What part of him inspired you to feel a toy drive was an appropriate tribute to him? What inspired us, Dave, to do the toy drive was, uh, like I said, Larry was a giving and loving person. And for me as a mother, losing him was one of the hardest things in the world to face. And the pain was so severe that I've learned, I'll just say this, I've learned in time that how you release pain is reaching out and helping somebody else. So as I was going through the personal pain of losing my baby boy, um, God gave me the vision to do something positive for people. And it originally started out, we were trying to do the Feed the Homeless, giving back, you know, trying to feed the, the homeless in South Dallas. And we did that. And because we didn't have a restaurant base, that was kind of cut back. So we still didn't want to stop there. We still had a spirit of giving. And that's how the toy drive got started. I mean, and we wanted to reach 
the uh, neighborhood that would really need it because that's what inspired us. You know, um, there's a lot of toy drives. There's a lot of other places that's doing giving to children at Christmas time. But we wanted to meet the need of the people that really need it through the toy drive. And once again, Larry's spirit was so loving and giving, and he was always trying to help somebody. So we felt like that was appropriate for us to give back, you know, and that's how the toy drive actually got started. How long after the loss before you started the toy drive? The following year. This toy drive is unique in many ways. Any child who shows up with a parent or guardian gets a toy. There are no obstacles or red tape for the parents or guardians. How do you ensure one toy per child? How we ensure one, well, we really give more than one. We try to, okay? So uh, how we ensure that is, like now, we're getting ready to start the toy drive, and you have to actually start it early in order to be able to meet the need of the people. And one of our pet peeves is that we always want to be able to have enough toys for the entire community. So we reach out to friends, family, public to help us with this. It's not just something that we could just do totally on our own. We have to have the support of the community as well to be able to feel the need to give back. And we've been so blessed to be able to meet the need of so many uh, in South Dallas. We, we've gotten to the point where we started out with just a few people just believing in the vision, you know, and being able to do a few families. And now we have escalated to almost the entire South Dallas metroplex, not just South Dallas, Oak Cliff, you know. So we were able to meet that need, Dave, through community help. When did the toy drive start? And what was the first year like? The first year was, um, we actually started out of our own pockets. The first year we didn't have sponsors, any, you know, any, any sources like that. Uh, myself, Barbara, Ariel Griffin, uh, and a few uh, friends, we actually started our, ourselves with uh, buying as many toys as we possibly could ourselves out of our own pockets, which was not a whole lot back then compared to what we're doing now uh, with the demand that, is, that, is, that is, it has came to now since we've been doing it. But th back then, we, it was, uh, we started out of our own pockets and we, you know, we did it at Ariel's Blues Palace, 3100 Al Lipscomb Way, and we had just a few toys on some of the tables and maybe, maybe just uh, maybe two or three bikes or something like that. It wasn't very much, but it, it served as a beginning for us and, and it, it served as a outlet, as, as, as my wife said, Barbara said, for us to be able to uh, release the pain through giving. And even at that small level of, 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 that we could offer the community at the time, it helped us in the first year. And, and as the second year came around and it got a little bigger and we got a few more people on board to support it. And, uh, Basically, that's basically uh, uh, the beginnings of it. What were the biggest lessons learned the first year? Once you came to grips with the reality of him gone um, and get, got involved with the toy drive, uh, 
uh, started the toy drive, uh, the effect that we could have in serving a community that was probably one of the most underserved communities in the Metroplex in South Dallas. And we learned that those people there were really, really, really in need of support of what we had to offer. Uh, the children were so appreciative, the parents were so appreciative, and uh, it touched our hearts. And it really let us know the impact that we could bring to the community through this project. And once we realized that they gave us fuel, emotionally as well as uh, uh, spiritually, to be able to take it, take it further down the road. And uh, so uh, uh, it, it taught us a whole lot in the spirit of giving, uh, how important it is to give, how important it is to uh, uh, Go into the community and meet the people that's in that's in that's less fortunate than you are, and and to be able to see the smiles on the children' faces and the parents' faces and appreciation and gratitude they that they received from this giving. As the event grew, what became some of your biggest challenges? One of our biggest challenges, Dave, was um, just trying to make sure that we had enough toys to meet the need of, of uh, what we were going to be faced with. Um, that right there is um, one of the things that you have sleepless nights about because, you know, even with all the giving that you could give, you know, if one person, if there's one child that you didn't meet the need of, you know, then that was a challenge, you know, that was truly a challenge. So that was one of the things that we dreaded the most is not having enough to meet the need of the, the community. Why do you have the toy giveaway event at R.L.'s Blues Palace? Uh, once again, we feel that that community is one of the most underserved, underserved uh, communities in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And... Um, R.L. Blues Palace is sitting right in the center of South Dallas. And a lot of folks in that, in that community uh, don't have vehicles, or cars, or transportation, etc. cetera. Uh, they can actually walk over to uh, the venue, to the Blues Palace, and, uh, uh, which, which, which we still today have a lot of uh, the families that actually walk, uh, walk over and, and 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 bring their children over to get toys. Um, so basically, we, you know that area is, was prime for this. It's a much needed. It's, it's prime. For, it was yeah. prime for. It was something that was. It was an entity that that needed to be brought into that community, because. There's numerous of toy drives going on during the holiday season, but most of them are out out the perimeters or suburbs and et cetera. And a lot of these folks don't have transportation or cars to be able to go out to the big, big other big toy drives and 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 and, and, and be able to participate simply because their means of transportation or resources to be able to get there it was not there. 
What was RL's reaction when you came to him and asked about doing a toy drive at his venue? Uh, he was very receptive. Uh, by him being in that community for so many years, he knew the need. And I think it was something that that uh, helped him as well in terms of uh, having the opportunity to be able to give back to the community that supports him and his, his business. How do you find volunteers for the event and how many are involved? That can go as far as 30 to follow, uh, thirty to 40 sometime volunteers. Um, before, when we first started, it was just family and friends that we would include as far as volunteers. And then we just kind of start reaching out and asking, you know, other people to be a part of it. Um, and then we had to find another way to do it because it was bringing in too many outside people. So we try to keep it on a personal level to the people that feel what we feel as far as being volunteers. Because, I mean, to be a volunteer, you still got to have a caring heart. You still got to know that we got to take care of this community. We got to take care of these kids. You know, you can't just walk in and just say we get you know we're going to give these kids this toy no you got to feel these kids you got to get out there and you got to talk with them you know it's a personal thing you Takes know a special person Help a special person exactly you know not just somebody to say i want to volunteer you know so um this year well last year we did a drive-by and we kind of cut back on the volunteers because of covid uh, we have had as many as 30 to 40, 40 volunteers, but because of COVID last year, we cut back and we kind of screen them. You know, um, a lot of people call and at some point, you know, like I said, we have to cut back because COVID is still live. So uh, we want to get not necessarily professional people, but people, like you said, have a caring heart and a special person, you know, to be able to really get out there and just touch that community. That really gets it. That really gets what gets it's about. It's a vision, yeah. You know. What are some of your fondest memories of the toy drive? Oh, God, he has that story. We have a, we have a whole bunch of stories, actually. Uh, uh, because every time you uh, uh, gift a, ch a child with a toy, uh, the light that you see uh, in their eyes and smiles on their faces... It, it actually it makes your Christmas. It actually makes your Christmas. If you, if you don't have the Christmas spirit, then you will receive the Christmas spirit by giving, certainly to a community that's that's really uh, in really dire need of, of support. Uh, one of the stories that I call my Christmas story is that I guess maybe five years ago, we had wrapped up the uh, toy giveaway, and I think we might have had four or five hundred children that came through and got toys. And Barbara and I came in separate vehicles because we had our vehicles loaded down with toys we brought from the house. And um, and after we finished dis dispersing all the toys, um, as I was leaving, I got right there on the corner of MLK and Malcolm X Boulevard in South Dallas. And I looked over to the right, the bus stop right there. And this lady was standing there 
waited on the bus, and she had a little girl. Looked like she probably about three, maybe four years old, maybe four or five years old, little girl. And as I glanced in my rearview mirror, uh, I realized I had three toys that I forgot to take in out of my automobile into the club. And I realized that this, this, this child that I was looking at was a little girl. And the toys were for a little girl. It was, it was dolls. And the spirit led me to pull over and approach this mother and ask her permission. Well, first of all, explain to her what we had just finished doing a few blocks down with the toy giveaway. And said, if you don't mind, ma'am, uh, I've got a few toys here left. I'd like to give to your, to your daughter, if you don't mind. And, uh, and she said, sure. And when I reached the first doll to the baby, the baby looked up. And uh, when she realized what doll it was, she realized it was a doll that she was wishing for for Christmas, a doll called Dolla. It was a popular doll back then. And when I hand her this doll, she looked at the doll and looked up at me and her mama and looked at her mama and said, Mama, that's the doll I wanted for Christmas, Mama. I wanted the, I wanted Dolla for Christmas. That's the doll I wanted for Christmas. And I handed the doll to her and she jumped up and grabbed me by my legs and just hugged me and I was just like putty because I, that, that was confirmation to me that out of all the children we distributed toys to that day, those three toys were earmarked and destined for that child. And when she received those toys and she reacted the way she did, uh, I was, it broke me down. I, I couldn't even drive. I went, sit, I went back and sat in my car for about 15 minutes before I could actually drive because it really, it, really, it, 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 it really struck me that this, these toys were was ordained for that child. Yeah. Fate. Uh, it was meant for that yeah. child. Okay. And, and uh, uh, that's my Christmas story because, uh, you know, we never know, uh, we never know, you know, what, how the Spirit's going to leave you, lead you, uh, 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 what direction it's going to lead you in. But I'm so thankful today that it led me in the direction that it did. To, to see this child at the, at the bus stop, and for this child, for this toy to be the perfect toy that the child had dreamed of getting for Christmas, that really, that that made my Christmas and that touched my heart. That also let me know that we were doing the right thing, at the right time for the right reason. And uh, um, I'll never forget it. The 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 feeling that I had and the, uh, the pr profound effect that it had on me that day and 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 uh, significance that it had on that child. Sounds like an inspiration that continues for you. Yeah. Yes, most definitely. Uh, it's confirmation that we were doing the right thing in the right community. Barbara, 
some of the most memorable children you've met doing the toy drive? Oh my goodness, David's been so, so, so many. Um, little girl, um, a couple of years ago, you know, we, we give the bikes away. Um, there were several different ways that we did our, our bike giveaway. One of them was uh, we would do the toy drive, and at the end of the toy drive, we would um, give the bikes away after the toy drive. So this past year, we did it a little bit different. Um, after the toy giveaway. After the toy we giveaway, would, we, we did it a little bit different. We allowed them to reach in a bucket as you were getting your, uh, after you got your toys, and pull out a number to win a bike. And I remember this one little girl won a bike, and she lived right in South Dallas. When she won her bike, we would, we would put the bikes in the trunk of the car so that, you know, they would be able to take them home with her. But this little girl wanted to ride her bike home. She lived right around the corner from the, the club. And she told her mom, I mean, she actually was persistent on riding her bike home. And mama, of course, you know, that's her baby. It's Christmas time. So she let her baby ride that bike home. That was, that was really, really, really something. And then, Dave, just some of the children that come, I mean, some of them just leave a lasting impression on you. There was a four-year-old boy also last year. He was in the car with his mom, and I think it was a couple of the children in the car with them as well. And this little boy has such a, he kind of reminded me of man that day because he had such an outgoing personality. All the other kids, when you gave them their toys, they were kind of just quiet, you know, just kind of nonchalant. But when this kid got his toy, he was like, yes, thank you, thank you, you know. Those kind of things, really, they stick with you. And everybody, all the volunteers, they I, I guarantee you, if they were in this room today, they could tell you about their little boy because he left a lasting impression on everybody that was there that day. What are some of the most popular toys? Uh, of course, the bikes, of course. Uh, but uh, certainly, uh, basically, uh, you know, the toys, we found that the, the toys for infants and all the way up to 10, but I would say the bicycles are most the most popular the dolls are very popular amongst the uh, little girls. Um, uh, some of the uh, footballs and basketballs and baseballs are very, very popular amongst the uh, the boys. Uh, and any and in games, etc. You know, little games they can play. Do you have a unique parent story? I have a couple of unique parent stories. Um, one of the things that we did before the pandemic is we would allow the children to pick out their own toys. Now, the parents have to accompany the children, okay? The parents have to be with the children. So from learning how to um, do the giveaway, we learned that the way that the children would be able to receive their own personal toys that they that they would want is we would have to have the parent to stand on the wall so that the children could receive their own toys. So that was kind of challenging because as a parent, some of the parents, you know, they see all these toys. 
of course, they see the biggest toy. So this is the toy that they want to receive for their children because it's a big toy, you know, but it's not what the children want. It's not necessarily what that child wants. What the child yeah. wants. So the challenging, the challenging thing about that was we had to allow the parent to stand on the wall so that the children could actually pick out the toys that they would want for Christmas, whether it would be a small toy or a big toy. And that was kind of compromising, you know, with the parent because some of the parents, like I said, they wanted to pick out the toys for the children, but it's about the children, you know? So we allowed the children to pick out their toys. Toy user's choice. Absolutely. Yeah. Let me add to that. Uh, we also learned that a lot of times when we had to learn this, and this is why we put that in, 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 in our plan in terms of organizing, is to have the, the parent stand on the wall and the volunteers would take the family down the aisles uh, age-wise, gender-wise, and pick their toy. Because we, we realized when we first started that a lot of times the child would go out the door crying because mama picked the toy they didn't want. So we said, no, this is all about the child. What makes you, makes you, this is all about the child getting what they want, not what the parent wants for the child, right. but what that child wants in terms of the toy. So this is why we adopted to have the parents to stand on the wall. We, you know, I said, well, if you don't mind, let us adopt your child just for a minute and take them shopping down through the house. Let them pick, if you don't mind. Now, that's the only way you're going to be able to receive the toys. We have to make that clear. You know, because, like I said, like Barbara was saying, at first we ran into the issue of the parents going to just grabbing toys and this and that uh, for the children, for the child, and the child was looking like, that's not what I want. Yeah. <laughs> I want this toy. It could have been a smaller toy, mm -hmm. you see. And, and then, so we had to learn that, and yeah. that, was, that was just through experience. You yeah, know? and then some of the parents that come in, they're so, so thankful because... You know, the situations that they were in, they some of them weren't able to do Christmas for their children. So the giveaway was just a blessing to them as well as their children, you know. And that's what makes you feel good when you know that you've actually, you know, blessed these children where they would be able to have a Christmas where their parents weren't able to do it. You know, that's, that's ultimate. That's a wonderful feeling right there. It's a wonderful feeling. Anything you'd like to share with the listeners before we wrap up? Uh, I'd like to say that we're very pleased to have had the support that we've gotten down through the years. Each year, the need grows greater uh, because the word gets out what we're doing. And we get more and more children coming, more and more parents bringing their children to this giveaway. Um, but uh, I would say we're, we're reaching out to the community to try to make sure we meet that demand and not fall short uh, in terms of the amount of children we might receive. Just from the history, each year has gotten greater and greater. Okay. But... We're, we're asking the community to, to, to come in and be a part of this, uh, to be able to uh, 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 reach into your hearts and bless uh, a family that's less fortunate maybe than what your family is. 
so we're we're actually asking any anyone that want to help us out. Uh, the Larry Tutson Jr. Foundation is a nonprofit organization, 501c3, and we're also very very thankful that KNON is partnering up and and to be able to help get the word out, uh, so we can reach a great amount of people and be able to be able to uh, uh, collect a great amount of toys to make sure that we guarantee that no child show up and we've ran out. Right. So we want to thank you, Dave, the station manager, and we want to thank the station overall, the volunteers, et cetera, in advance, partnering up with the Larry Tutson Jr. Foundation to help us to be able to take it to a whole nother level. Well, I also would like to thank uh, the station as well. When Greg mentioned it to me the other day, I was just in tears because um, when God gives you a vision and you just see it transpiring right in front of your eyes, it's just a very emotional feeling. And also, um, we've had some wonderful, wonderful sponsors to help us with this. I mean, um, I don't want to call names because I don't want to miss anybody, but it's such an ultimate feeling to know that um, you're giving, you're helping, you're giving back, you know, and you meet the need of of a child that may not even have anything, you know, it, it's a wonderful feeling. And I guarantee you, you know, if you would just step beyond your own door and reach out and say that this year, I'm going to touch a child, I'm going to bless a child, I'm going to bless a family, you'd be surprised what that would do for you. You would totally be surprised. I mean, it's such an ultimate feeling to know that you're giving back. And even if you can't, if you would just come to that community and just stand with us and just see what's going on over there, to see the people that we're helping, the children that we're blessing, it would just make you feel like, make you feel like giving, you know, make you feel like doing something to help somebody. And again, I just thank um, the sponsors that we've had that believed in this vision. I, I just thank, you know, RL for opening his doors for us to be able to do it and him and his staff giving back to bless it. And even one of your, your um, DJs here at the station, Bobby Wilbanks, I mean, he believes in this vision and he step in every year and just do 100% because he believe in it. He see what, where the need is. And we're just inviting you all to just come on and be a part of this. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful feeling. And I guarantee you, you will really feel better about Christmas because it's all about giving. It's all about giving. So if you would just reach deep in that heart and just come on and help us out and let's just bless as many families and as many children as we can this year, you will truly be helping the Larry Joe Tutson Jr. Foundation. Well, I'd like to thank both of you for sitting down for this podcast. Kanoen is proud to join in such a positive event born out of tragedy and congratulate you both on this event's success. Thank you so much, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Thank you.